0: Would you open God's precious holy word to 1 Samuel 31? This is a fairly short chapter as these chapters have gone. This ends 1 Samuel, but it doesn't end the narrative. In the Hebrew Bible, they're both treated as one work, one book. So God willing, we'll just keep going into 2 Samuel next time. But this is the inevitable end of Saul. Saul. To review, Saul was the people's choice, um, and he was always, he had his moments early in his reign, but he was predominantly a self serving man. He was rebellious against the command of the Lord regarding David, he became jealous of David, spent years literally years pursuing David and David spent those years running from Saul There's there's a debate among Hebrew scholars regarding the reign of King Saul Here's why Numeric values in the Hebrew text generally come from the Hebrew Letters, and when you get into tens and hundreds and so forth, how they are put together uh, is is challenging. But the answer is given to us in Acts chapter thirteen, so we don't really have to worry about that. There's an argument among rabbis whether or not Saul reigned for twenty-two years, and if you take that, if you take that figure, that doesn't fit the timeline. It had to have been longer than that. And in 1 Samuel 13 verse 1, scholars generally, well, the majority of scholars will translate that Saul reigned for 42 years. But the book of Acts chapter 13 said that Saul was king for 40 years So the 42 years is not that bad. If you reign for 42 years, you reign for 40 years, right? Um, So anyway, a 40-year reign for King Saul comes to an end. He was 30 years old. This makes him, okay, he's on the battlefield here with going to war with the Philistines. That makes him 72 years old. Trust me, he should have known better (laughs) because he's going to die. But here's the inevitable end of Saul and his reign and his family with regard to his sons. Wiped out completely on the battlefield. So he had heard the word Samuel the prophet Anointed David to be the king Saul rejected it rebelled against it all of the rest of his life all of his reign he never accepted the will of God and it seems that Saul waxed worse and worse in his life as a man and as a king and as a leader He was consumed with destroying David. He spent more time doing that than he did really looking after his kingdom and his people. He did well early in his rule. But his selfish desires just overwhelmed him. Prophecy now has been given that Saul would die. We saw all of that in the last couple of times we were in previous chapters. And so here is the fulfillment of it in, verse, in chapter 31. And I don't really have an outline for it. It's just a kind of a straightforward narrative. We'll look at it and just take it as it is given to us because it is the fulfillment of everything that we have seen previous To this chapter. More than once, inspired people were there at the right place, the right time, to assure David that he would be king. There were assurances that the reign of Saul would come to an end, and David accepted God's sovereign rule in the sense that he trusted the Lord to take care of Saul and he didn't have to. And we saw how David had two opportunities and he, he would not touch the anointed of the Lord. So he continued to trust God and then he had a little weak time, a weakness when he ran off into Philistia and pretended to serve the king of Philistia and he became, he and his men became murderous. And mean, but God used circumstances to bring, to bring David around full circle and to overcome the mess that David had gotten himself into. And then, of course, we saw last time how David had just completely surrendered himself to Yahweh so those mistakes we will see through his life as king will strengthen him in certain ways and he won't make those kinds of mistakes anymore he still will make mistakes but not not those and he comes back to seeking the lord's will when it comes to going to war as he went against the amalekites while Saul was fighting the Philistines and they overwhelmed the Amalekites, took back all the people they had kidnapped, including the families of, of David and his men and all of the loot that the Amalekites had stolen, restored everything. So there's a great, there's a great sendoff for David in victory over a superior army, the Amalekites. While the demise of Saul is pathetic in his defeat at the hands of the Philistines. So you can see how, in his sovereign will, God is beginning to contrast the two, bringing one up while taking one out. And the will of God, of course, will be accomplished. And so he goes like this: And the Philistines fought with Israel. Men of Israel fled from before the Philistines, and the slain fell on Mount Gilboa. And the Philistines overtook Saul and his sons. And the Philistines slew Jonathan and Abinadab and Malchshua, Saul's sons. The battle fell heavy upon Saul, and the archers found him, and he was very afraid of the archers. I suppose the sky would almost darken with the arrows of the Philistines as his men were falling all around him. You have to remember the Philistines had weapons of iron. Their arrows were iron-tipped. So if you had a brass shield, a an arrow speeding down from from the sky, gaining momentum... Because of gravity, it would pierce the armor that the soldiers wore and the shields they held up because brass doesn't match up to iron. So it says he was very afraid of the archers, the arrows falling everywhere. Has witnessed the death of his sons. Everything. Is falling apart for him. Saul said to his weapon bearer, Draw your sword and run me through with it, lest these uncircumcised men come and run me through and mock me. But his weapon bearer was unwilling, for he was very much afraid, and Saul took the sword and fell upon it. Saul was afraid of being wounded and captured in a wounded state and being humiliated and mocked and put on display and perhaps tortured even further. But his weapon bearer wouldn't follow Saul's request. So Saul killed himself, he fell upon his sword. His weapon bearer saw that Saul had died and he also fell upon his sword and died with him. It was a hopeless case anyway. The Philistines had overwhelmed the Israelites. And there was, unless God divinely intervened, and remember, King Saul had already confessed, God's not answering me. He's not listening to me. He's not saying anything to me. So Yahweh has forsaken Saul. He's turned his back away from him and leaving Saul to his own devices, which is the worst thing that can happen to us. So really it was a hopeless situation for Saul and the Israelite army that he had fielded against the Philistines. So the weapon bearer saw the hopelessness as well, obviously, and fell upon his sword. And Saul and his three sons and his weapon bearer died. Also all his men died together together that day. That's pretty bad. Remember, now he would have had other men than those 3,000 chosen men, I'm sure. But apparently, in the language, it was those select and chosen men that Saul had used. And let's think about this and reflect upon what we've already seen about those men who were closest to Saul. And remember that we saw in the narrative, we saw that. Uh, we saw that the uh, nation was already divided over whether they wanted David to ascend to the throne or hold on to Saul. And so I guess it's sort of like Democrats and Republicans or something. The, the nation was divided politically. In that, uh, in that division, Saul had his select men, his chosen men, those 3,000, and they were the ones that he would use to pursue David, to go across the countryside and to search all of the, the fields and behind the rocks to see if they could find David. And he had spies, and the spies would report where they had seen and when they had seen David last. And so his men, his chosen men, they would move in that direction. It's also seen that the officers of these men were among those who told lies on David to try to make the people think that David was a man other than the kind of man that he was. So with their, with their lies and their conspiracies and their meanness, those guys all died. And all his men died together on that day. The men of Israel, who were on the other side of the valley, who were on the other side of the Jordan, saw that the men of Israel had fled and that Saul and his three sons had died and they left the cities and fled and the Philistines came and occupied them. It was a hopeless fight. They were outnumbered. They were outgunned. The weapons of the enemy were superior weapons. Um, their leaders now were dead. They didn't even know how to manage the attack or, or the counteroffensive, or or the defensive posturing. There was nobody, nobody there to tell them anymore. So they all scattered and, and fled, and the Philistines came and occupied the area. And it was on the morrow that the Philistines came to strip the slain, and they found Saul and his sons lying on Mount Gilboa. Okay, so this was common in the day for the victor, To take everything of value off of and away from the slain enemy. While they were doing it, they discovered Saul and his sons. They severed Saul's head and stripped his armor, and they sent them around in the land of the Philistines to spread the tidings to the house of their idols and to the people. And they put his armor in the house of Ashtaroth. This is their female consort god of of their God. And they impaled his body on the wall of Bethshan. So it was the height, it was the height of mockery and humiliation. Here the decapitated head of Saul was sent around as well as his armor to their temples that they had built to their idols, their gods. And then they took his armor and his body close by and put those at the main temple of their goddess, Ashtaroth. So it was made into a religious kind of ceremony. The Philistines in doing this were proclaiming that their God was greater than Israel's God. That they had defeated the king of the so-called people of God, of Yahweh. So they were, they were obviously making a big mistake here, but they were exalting their deities above the God of Israel. And the inhabitants of Jabesh Gilead heard about him, that which the Philistines had done to Saul. And all the brave men rose and went all night and took Saul's body and his son's bodies from the wall of Bashan. And they came to Jabesh and burned them there. And they took their bones and buried them under the tree in Jabesh. And they fasted seven days. Now these guys here, from Jabesh Gilead. Maybe you'll remember way back in the early reign, early part of the reign of Saul, the enemy had come to surround these people, Jabesh Gilead, and the people didn't have an army. They were outnumbered and there was no way they could fight against it. The, so they more or less surrendered and so they acquiesced and they said, what can we do? We'll pay tribute. Tell us what you want. And and just let us go. And so the word came back from the enemy. Here's what we want. we want. We want an eyeball from all the men. You may remember that story early in 1 Samuel. Earlier in 1 Samuel. So the men said, Well, give us seven days. That was a strange answer. I'm reminded of Jack Benny. One of the plays in his show, way back, what, in the 50s, I guess. Guy came in with a mask on and a gun. He said, Give me all your money. Jack Benny is looking at him. The guy repeated, Give me all your money. He said, I'm thinking, I'm thinking. So, so this is what they were doing in Jabesh. We're thinking, we don't know. We might give you an eyeball, we don't know. But that gave them enough time to appeal to Saul who stirred up the men and they came and attacked and defended these men. Now these men never, these people never forgot the kindness of Saul early in Saul's career. So when they had heard what had happened, Saul had saved them from shame and now they want to do what they can do to end the shame that has come upon Saul. So their brave men came and went at night, obviously took Saul's body, his son's bodies, and burned them but took the bones and buried their bones under the trench of And then they In mourning and in grief they fasted for seven days. Now this is the catapult then that leads us into, God willing, that leads us into 2 Samuel. Which will see David ascend to the throne. And we will begin to see uh, the the adventures of David uh, and his mighty men as God through him. As Yahweh delivers Israel from the hands of her enemies by the great King David. So this brings us to a close here in uh, first Samuel. Uh, and we'll move right on from there next time. But for now, we'll have our deacon prayer time.